I'd like some breakfast. We stopped serving breakfast. I know you stopped serving breakfast, Rick. Sheila told me you stopped serving breakfast. Why am I calling you by your first names? I don't even know who you are. I still call my boss Mr. I worked for him for seven and a half years, but I walk in here all of a sudden, total stranger, and I'm calling you Rick and Sheila like we're in some kind of AA meeting. I don't want to be your buddy, Rick. I just want a little breakfast. Well, you can call me Miss Folsom if you want to. Sheila, we stop serving breakfast at 11.30. Have you ever heard the expression, the customer is always right? Yeah. Yeah, well, here I am, the customer. That's not our policy. You have to order something from the lunch menu. I don't want lunch. I want breakfast. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry, too. So I really appreciate everybody who's taking the time to download and listen. If you are listening to my voice right now, I appreciate it. Um, you know what's really boggling my mind with this podcast, and I guess, knock on wood, is um, the overwhelming amount of feedback I've gotten, positive feedback I've gotten, um, negative feedback usually relates to the audio, and yeah, I know, it's not great yet, but, uh, you know, uh, the people at Cyclismus do a good job in cleaning it up and making it the best they can for what I hand, so to Justin and Leslie, uh, I thank you, but uh, beyond beyond my shortcomings in buying equipment and <clears throat> knowing how to produce certain things on my own, it's it's as good as it's gonna get. But hopefully it'll get better. Uh, do you notice how I just said it's good as it's that's as good as it's gonna get? And then I said hopefully it'll get better. I'm just a moron sometimes. Moving on, Segway. I am at the Tour Utah uh, stage finish town of Cedar City. Stage one. Guys are about to guys do in in about 50k. Um, I'm driving the team bus for Optum. Mm -hmm. It's my phone buzzing. If I was professional, I would have turned my phone off. Um, 
And I, I was nervous about today, going to a race and just watching a high-level race for the World Tour teams, and just watching, and 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 that was gonna fuck me up because instantly I was gonna want to get there. And uh, there is a weird feeling of not racing, but I I it does not necessarily make me feel like I could be there because I've faced reality with my back, and my back sucks and. So while it would be great to be there, I know that that's only if I was at my best, and I'm not. So um, beyond that, it's really good being around the guys. I kid you not, it's not hyperbole or anything to say that the Optum team is the really just the coolest bunch of guys. Um, on that team is a certain guy named Chad Haga who is this week's guest on Open Mic. Um, Chad has been on the team for like two and a half-ish years. He was a stagiaire a couple years ago. Came in all guns. Got top three in his first race. And he's he's been uh, one of the better riders ever since. He had a rough year last year. Um, crashing and illness and... Uh, his father getting sick, and uh, I had the chance to talk to him. He came over. Uh, he just came into my house, by the way. He didn't knock the door, knock on the door. So that's interesting. Uh, Should have shut the door. But yeah, that's uh, Haga. You know, he's 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 a really good kid. And uh, besides the not knocking on the door thing, he's pretty genius he's signing for a uh, a big world tour level team next year and I wish him nothing but the best so here's Jen Hugga. Um, let's start with a rumor that he has like a three forms of hepatitis that he got from he got all of them A, B, and C A, B, and two C's <laughs> you get the negative and the positive. This fucking guy, I don't know what he's up to. Oh, so Hago. You've been having a pretty kick-ass season, dude. Yeah. Really kick-ass. I think it's just making up for last year. Yeah. Like, I mean, you really upped your climbing game, though. Like, last year, you, you always had the TT thing. But, yeah. like, on longer climbs, you kind of didn't. Was that, is that like maturity and weight loss or? Um, yeah, both. Yeah, both. A little bit more power than last year, but you take two fewer kilos up a climb, you're going to get two faster. Two kilos? Yeah. Two kilos less. Did you try hard at that or would that just kind of come easy? Yeah, I, I focused on that last last fall when I started riding again. Yeah. It's just like, I can't race. All, all I can do is like... Go after right. stupid Strava KOMs and, right, and right. see how light I can get. We had a pretty good little KOM <laughs> yeah. for a few weeks. Got out I think I finally exceeded to you. I just stopped stopped trying a little bit. Well, you, like, you took that star range climb from me, and I want it back, but I don't want to go for it. Like, I it, don't, is, it is an unpleasant experience. It's going to be time. four minutes so hard that it's just going to ruin my whole day to try and take that one back. This is the thing. is the, With Strava, like... You get to a point where you're fairly sure you could do it, but how how do you fit it in? Because you have to go so hard, you're going to be pretty blown. So you're not going to be able to really pull it off at the end of a three-hour ride or a four-hour ride. 
You're, you don't want to do it in the beginning of the ride. Because then your ride is shot. You have yeah. no legs left. So it's so, just... Like, how do you fit Strava in? Like, I think you get to a certain point where it's like, it's not worth it. Yeah. You're just like, fuck this. My idea, though, was just to, like, start a new character every year. So then... That could be interesting. So then you could just go, like... You would do your, like, little, like, Kenny Powers. But then you'd put, like, 2013 by him. You know? So then... <laughs> and then at the end of the year, you could do Kenny Powers 2014. So it's not always going for, like, the ultimate, ultimate. But then you could stack the leaderboard. It wouldn't, you wouldn't just that would one be the greatest point. Like, <laughs> I was thinking for a while... I started like another character, uh, the Green Bastard. I didn't do much with him, but I was thinking how great it would be if you just started stacking climbs where like, of the top ten best times, you had seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> and just how annoying that would be for everybody. <laughs> um, so, how much of your, like, the opening uh, summit finish at Tour of California got like six? Yeah, stage... How much of a stage two? was that? That was kind of a shocker. Were you, you expecting, like, top 20, top 15? Yeah, I don't know, top, yeah, top 15 or 20. I expected to climb well, and... But how crazy is it when you're, like, you're in line, and all of a sudden you see Pro Tour guys, like, pulling out, and you're passing them? That... Are you just... I couldn't think too much about it. It was, like, we hit the bottom, and, and Baldwin... Uh, just blew up. Mansebo blew up and, and gapped me off. And got I, I was watching the Mansebo one gap you off, and I was like, "Oh, that one's gonna be hard for him." Yeah, so I was so angry at that moment because that was that was all that kept me from from being in that first group. You should have hip slung him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean that, but to get back to it, like that must have been a hell of a fucking thing, man, to just be sitting around like, "Holy shit!" Like. Yeah. Like, I'm passing radio, like, Radio Shack guys are pulling out a line. It wasn't really even until the finish that I realized just how fast we'd gone up it and how well I'd done. Yeah. Because I was just, for, for most of that climb, I was staring at Matt Boucher, just trying to chase him back, and I got him, I don't know, 20 meters before the line. Yeah. But I was just focused on time trialing to that finish. And yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get off my bike. It was so hot. I think I talked to you that night or even maybe text or whatever but like you had to have thought like even if the rest of the race was bad this is still pretty solid like I could yeah. you, of course you don't want to do bad you yeah. want to chase the momentum but had it been a good feeling to know that even if the rest of the tour goes to shit like I I did a fucking ride here yeah that's what Jonas told me at the finish it's like man regardless of how this race turns out you have this stage yeah and it's that was awesome. How'd you end up overall? Uh, dropped to tenth overall. Dude, tenth overall. <laughs> yeah, that's like that was way exceeding our our expectations. When like, we I guess up. Acevedo was the one-off, but besides him, there were no other uh, pro continent, like continental uh, guys. Lawson Craddock got eighth. Lawson he and Craddock. I were having a uh, a best of Texas battle. A best of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you know? Is he gonna go? Big time next year for tour? I heard a rumor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to tell the truth. You're going to go big time next year. We can't tell the team, but you're going big time. That, uh... It's yeah. pretty cool, man. <laughs> Hasn't are really you, set in yet. Yeah. What are you expecting? Anything? As far as the racing goes? Just everything. Lifestyle. Oh, it's... I'm just going to be along for the ride. I mean... 
it's all a learning experience and I've never lived over there. I mean, I've barely spent 20 or two weeks across, yeah. across the pond, much less lived over there. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So you, you said about like last year, like how, uh, it was like a disappointing year. Like you started like, like met you, uh, even further before that, like a year and a half ago, like you came stagiaire with Kelly. Yeah. You came in and just like rocked out like a top 10 on everybody at Elk Grove. Yeah, I finished third overall there. Third overall. Yeah. And then, saw you camp, you came into camp pretty good. You, yeah. you uh, won the time trial day, threw it in Zerbel's face. <laughs> Yeah, what did you do? Tell me that story. Tell me that story. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's set the stage. Because it was, like, a rainy, cold day, so everybody's hanging out in the van. Nobody not, wanted to be there. Yeah, when, when we're not doing our time trial, we're just sitting in the van with the heaters on. And we only had two time trial helmets, and we're trying to get everybody fired off as fast as possible. So I finished my time trial, and I had to take this helmet off, but I wanted to keep spinning around, and my helmet was in the van. And so I just... Got off my bike and walked over to the van, just thinking, just get the helmet. And for and to, to also set the setting for people who don't know, this is we're at training camp. We've already been hitting each other a little bit on climbs. Yeah. There's a little bit of a competitive vibe, and and we're doing this 10k time and trial. And all of a sudden, one day the team's like, we're gonna do a 10k time trial amongst all the stage race guys, and now here's like the first yeah. legitimate shot to measure each other. Yeah. So. Well, so I'm walking back to the van, still in that, that post-time trial kind of like... But you know you felt pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I know I went quick, but yeah. uh, it was... I heard the result called out as I was like five feet from the van. And the result and Chad, was... You, you beat Zerbal by 17 seconds, and that just blew my mind. I was like, yes, I did exactly what I wanted to do. So I just open up the van and grab my helmet, and I see Zerbal there. And I just, you know, hey, Zerbal, uh, looks like I beat you. And I walked off. Shut the door and walked off. Was it that kind? I th I think I don't know. It may I have... think the, the the I think you said it in a, in a different. Or hey, Zerbal, apparently I beat you, or something along those lines. Just real matter of fact. Here's the result. You lost. Yeah. Shut the door and walked off. I didn't even pay attention to the fact that there were six other guys in the van. <laughs> it wasn't until the drive home after that that Solidan was like, "Man, what you said? We were laughing for half an hour." <laughs> What did I say? Yeah, because here's this neo pro kid. <laughs> yeah. Just opens a van, uh, tells the time trial guy, hey man, by the way, kicked your ass, turns around, shuts the door on you. Oh, I, we were playing poker at the house that night, and, and Bosch was like, hey, 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 guy, I think there's an arrogant bastard ale in the fridge if you want to give that a go. <laughs> oh, man. But then what set the tone for the rest of the year, what, like two days later, we're riding on the PCH. Yep person in front of you doesn't point out a rock, you clip it, down you go. Yep, shredded my... Shredded your hand. Yeah, shredded my hand, got a bunch of road rash on my back. It's just, like, broke a helmet, but no concussion or anything, but it's just kind of a, a bummer to, to end training camp like that. Yeah. And then uh, another pile up at Merco Classic and sprained my wrist again, and then uh, we go down to Uruguay and get sick, and then... Uh, Get sick again in Guatemala. Yeah. Then a, a crash that destroyed my knee up in Bose. You're just constantly catching up. Yeah, I was I was either sick or injured or worn out. So like the whole year. first half of the season, you don't get to do tour California. You're sick. You're worn out. You're beat up. Yeah. Somehow, you refocus. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to win the Cascade. I got to, I got to, because at this point, you don't even know if you're going to keep your job. This yeah. Point, you're I had, like freaking out a little bit. I had no that. results to stand on for the year, really. Yeah. So you go to Cascade, smoke the prologue. Yeah. Big relief. I was like, yes, finally. Yeah. Here, here the legs come, here the hard work pays off. Finally been worth it. Yeah. And then we start we start that stage one the next day. And, you know, at the start line an official made a joke like, Hey guys, how about we we don't pile it up on the descent this time around and the guys were all nervous and Because last year there was a big like fifty men pile up on the descent. Yeah, and then the it... year before that in the women's field they had a giant one. Yeah. It's just you know, first day of a stage race, everybody's excited. Big wide road blast. Yeah, if you descend on a highway the first part of the race, there's going to be a crash. And there were 192 guys in the race anyways. Because like, people are kind of worried about, like, oh, man, when's the pileup going to happen? And it's just one guy flicks a little too hard. Yeah. We stack it, and I jump back on my bike. Or I, you must I, have been, like, just shitting yourself. I was just like, this is not happening again. Yeah. This, there's no way this can Did happen. Did you do that again. thing where you like jump up as quick as possible to try to reassure yourself that Absolutely. I, I jumped up, picked my sunglasses up, put them on, stood my bike up, and went to put my chain back on. And like the action of grabbing the chain was like, something's wrong with my thumb. We'll take stock of that later. Yeah. And I see that my bike is broken, so I just wait for, wait for Jelly to bring the spare up, and then uh, Friedman paces me back up to the field, and I'm like... I'm realizing that my hands hurt pretty bad and it's probably not good. So I take some ibuprofen and get back up to the front and and that's when you decided to play doctor. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best Tell part. Tell that story because I think I did a pretty good job. <laughs> right, well, so I finally get back up to the front. The field's been waiting because the yellow jersey crashed. Hey, somebody and, told them to wait. Right, right, right. Some kind gentleman. Actually, I think it was Zerbel. <laughs> Fuck Zerbel. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, ah, I don't know, my hands hurt pretty bad, especially my thumb. And you, you just go, well, can you move it? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can move it a bit. I said, can you make a fist? Right, can you make a fist? I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it hurts, but I can do it. You're like, dude, if you can move it, you're fine. <laughs> See, it's gonna be okay. I feel like your, uh, and like your impression of me, like I have a dumber voice than I do. I, I'm taking. <laughs> While factually correct, I feel like you're giving me a very, like, uh, northern hick draw, yeah. like, without the southern twang, but still a very... You're just kind of like, dude, if you can move it, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Okay, so then, obviously, it wasn't fine. Right. You come up to me a little while later, and you tell me, like, you, you said... Oh, dude, this fucking sucks. I can't. I think it's busted. I I, I have to stop. And I'm like, okay, no worries. Sorry, man. Yeah. And I went up to the competitive cyclist guys because Man Sable was second, second in the time trial. Yeah. And I told them, like, hey, our yellow jersey just dropped out. Race is yours. We're not going to pull in the front. Yeah. And they said, they kind of looked at me crazy and said, okay. And sure enough, they started riding tempo. We do the whole race. <laughs> Mind you, what was this crash? This crash was like three or four miles in. Yeah. And then it's this a, climb where they started setting tempo was maybe 10 miles in, 12 miles in. Yeah. And it's a 100-mile race. So 80 miles go by where I'm assuming 
that really sucks for Chad. Like, he's out of the race, <laughs> right? So we do the race. We're in the parking lot. Uh, we didn't do horribly, but we didn't do great. We're kind of like, you know, we're uh, consummating about how how bad it sucks that you, you crash in her out and how bad that sucks for you. To, in order to prepare for Tour Colorado, we decided to ride back to town mm -hmm. to make it a 120-mile day. So we start riding back to town, and we see the broom wagon coming. And who's in front of the broom wagon <laughs> with two sad fucks on his wheel? <laughs> but Chad Hogger. I mean, dude, he must have been 20, 25 minutes down. Yeah. And you were you can't grab the bars, so on a climb you're in the TT position. Yep. And you look so bad and so near tears that we couldn't say anything to you. We didn't say keep it going. Yeah. Go. I think we were just in shock. <laughs> I think we would have been less shocked if we saw you on the side of the road masturbating. <laughs> we just we were so like. And then we wrote, and we kept riding. Like, we acted like we almost didn't even see it. We're like, oh, that must, I don't know what I just saw. <laughs> That's the saddest shit ever. Well, because the next stage was a time trial. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I lost the yellow jersey. But I'm pretty sure that all I did was sprain my wrist and jam my thumb. Yeah. It's not as bad as it feels. It's just this initial yeah. shock of it. So just finish the stage, and you can race tomorrow. Maybe they could put a cast in yeah, the time trial. Yeah, maybe I can just tough it through the time trial. Yeah. And uh, so that was all that was keeping me going, because I couldn't... I did that whole stage on half a bottle of water, because like, it hurt so much to pull the cages out, and I didn't have the wrist flexibility to pull food out of my pockets. Jesus, dude. So I just, like, just finished the stage, and I got across the line, got in the car, and then broke down. So over it. Uh, and then we get to uh, to the hospital, and I'm still in denial. Like, it's, like, I yeah. showered and cleaned up, and it hurt, but it wasn't too bad. My hands were a bit swollen, but I'm still in denial. Oh, it's, it's, it's nothing broken. It's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. And then the doc comes in and said, they're both busted. You need surgery on both. 12 weeks to recover. Like, that's that's the season. Season yeah. ends in nine weeks, man. What are you doing to me? Uh, uh, you were holding out hope for Univest for a little bit. Univest, and we were, I was supposed to do two of Utah, and yeah. we had, I think it was shortly after that, we learned we were getting into the world's team time trial, and uh, it's going to be my first trip to Europe, so everything I was looking forward to was, was going out the window, so that was rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I came back from, so I did that the next series of races, and I had like maybe four or five down days where I had to train a bit. Mm -hmm. So you and I would just go on our time trial bikes and just take runs at each other. Yeah, I felt like I was helping you train by by boosting your self-esteem. You just drop me when you go hard. Sure, yeah, sure, Creed. sure. I'm helping Creed. Uh, the greatest part, like, so obviously nobody knows, but Haga and I would meet up on our time trial bikes because you live here in town. And we would say that we were going to go easy for the first 10 minutes. But then, you know, three minutes in, we're both going pretty fucking hard. And we would just take runs at each other until one of us cried uncle. Just like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> what would turn into a 15-minute interval would just end up a nine... Like, a 15-minute threshold interval turned into a nine-minute VO2. <laughs> Uh, oh man, that was help. It got me out. <laughs> yeah. It got me out. Got you on the bike. I'm not going to accept that you were sandbagging <laughs> it. I'm not. 
I don't fucking, I'm gonna call bullshit on that. <laughs> no, I was going as hard as I could. I was just pretending that it was doing you any good. <laughs> so then, while I'm in Europe, I just keep getting these email updates from Strava that my KOMs are <laughs> fucking disappearing. So, we go to, I go to World's TT, I fly back, and there's one climb here, the Star Ranch climb. That's mm -hmm. maybe the hardest four-minute climb in town. Yeah, it's pretty steep. It's steep from the bottom. It's there's really no, uh, the steepest part's at the bottom, but it really doesn't level off ever until right at the top. So yeah. you can't ever float the part. You mm -hmm. have to go hard at the bottom and try to hold on. Mm -hmm. So you got the Star Ranch KOM, and I was super pissed about that. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've been climbing that thing since I was 14. <laughs> like, that's fucking my climb. So I go do this, so I fly all the way back from Europe, after three or four weeks, the day I land in Europe, I know I don't want to ride much more. Yeah. So I landed super early in the morning, and I just said, like, fuck this. And I, I knew I only had this good form for a little bit longer, so I just, off, off a plane, went, took a shower, stretched, built my bike, and just headed up this climb as fast as I could. And I went full stick... I got to the top, was fairly confident I got the KOM, and my, I mean, my, my body was so closed up <laughs> and so like in rest mode that my heart rate was through the roof and my breathing couldn't catch up. Like I, I got lightheaded. <laughs> I had to lay down at the top of the climb, and there was these <laughs> people in cars driving by. And like, is he gonna die? Yeah, I had a lady stop. Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I just. <laughs> it's this thing called Strava. You don't fucking understand it. <laughs> fucking fat slob. <laughs> yeah. I've since turned off all the notifications, so I don't know when they're when my KOMs are going to be anymore. Which yeah. I think is for the best. Yeah. I think it's a sign of retirement. <laughs> just, Apathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And then I had the chance to meet your dad. Your dad like. Dad went through some crazy stuff, man. Like, what's Where was he... it you met him? I met him right between, I think, right before I went to Worlds, I think. Okay. Because you still had your cast on. We went to the Thai restaurant with... Uh, oh, right, yeah. With Marsh. Mm-hmm. Marsh came with. Getting ready for the pro challenge, I think? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. What was everything that was going with your dad? Um, started a few years ago. He just had this cough that wouldn't go away yeah. couldn't figure it out um, a few months went by and he just kept coughing and they they finally saw that he had this pneumonia yeah for whatever reason but okay that's kind of weird and your dad's like yeah, his dad is like the stereotypical like strong Texan dude right like yeah he's, he's 6'2 180 pounds 49 years old he probably doesn't like going to the hospital he's probably like the kind of guy who wouldn't go until he has to fucking go yeah pretty much yeah. So, but this pneumonia was sticking around, and they finally did, I think it was a CT scan that finally saw that he had this big old tumor in his lung. Yeah. And, you know, non-smoker, we would never think yeah. lung tumor for, for this guy. Uh, and that was, let's see, that was the summer that I was making a full go at being a bike racer. It was my last summer in college, and I didn't want to work, so I was just, just traveling around to bike races. And that night... I had just finished like a 15 hour drive coming back from 
I think maybe Super Week or two of Elk Grove, and I'd get in like one in the morning, and my dad comes back to welcome me back, and he just says, you know, like I have this tumor in my lung. Mm. We don't know if it's cancer or not, but you know that's what it is. And the next race I was at was when they got the results, and it was it was this stage four lung cancer. Fuck, man. So it was a pretty big shock at that point. Uh, so Do you think racing helps, or does it get in the way at that point? Does it like help you get like some kind of energy out, or is it a distraction? I was a little bit of a distraction. Like I'm just gonna keep racing, try not to think about this too much. Yeah. Because it was so surreal. Like, how is this even happening? Your dad doesn't seem like the type to complain about it much, huh? It seems like he's he trying to just get on with it. He he suffered pretty quietly. Yeah. Like you could tell he was suffering, but he didn't want to. He didn't want nobody. Knows. He didn't want to make a big deal out of it or anything. He just yeah. wanted to focus on getting healthy. And he uh, went went through a couple different forms of chemo, trying to see if anything would work, and nothing really did. Uh, they like slammed the tumor with radiation. Yeah. Uh, pretty brutal course of it to shut down any growth and to get rid of his pneumonia. And, but he dropped down like 160 pounds. He weighed less than I did. From what? From the chemo and... Uh, no, no, from what weight? Oh, from probably 185, 190. Wow, fuck. So he lost a lot of weight. He could barely eat because like, they nuked yeah. his stomach. Yeah. And his throat hurt and all that. Uh, so he suffered through all that. Lost his hair. So me, my brother, and my dad all shaved our heads together <laughs> that winter. I was. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I like my hair too much. So, but all this chemo and stuff he he went through qualified him for this really, uh, really promising clinical trial drug, uh, specifically for his type of cancer, and it it worked really quickly. Shut his cancer down. Wow. Uh, I think. I mean, most people go on that drug for a year before it stops working, and he was able to get two years out of it. It stops working like your body builds an immunity to it? Or? Yeah, it's it's an inhibitor drug. So all it does is just shut down the cancer. Uh-huh. Um, but it's really just a time thing until the cancer finds a way around it. Finds a way it. around, yeah. So that's what happened, uh, I guess, six months ago. We learned that the cancer had come back. Where was it showing again? Uh, in his lung. In again, there's a couple spots that it popped back up. <clears throat> uh, and he ended up being the first person in the U.S. to start this uh, next clinical trial that's the follow-up drug to the one he'd been on. And it had shown a lot of promise as well, so real real hopeful. And uh, it pretty quickly started slowing his cancer down, and then last week, first day of Cascade, we learned that he's cancer-free again. Oh, man, that's incredible. Yeah, it's been really exciting to see him healthy again. He's riding his bike once in a while now. Is he? Yeah. How was he? How did you get into bike racing? Was that him or was that? I was. It was a friend, my my childhood friend, best friend Sammy. He, uh, we were always screwing around on BMXs, putting jumps in the street and whatever. Sure. And his mom started mountain biking, and so he started going with her and started racing. And was like, well, I gotta try him out. Yeah. So, so I started and caught the the racing bug through mountain biking, and then transitioned over so to. So many people I've talked to have come through mountain biking. Yeah. Powers I think it's a good way through. to go. Powers came through. You get some handling skills. You just yeah. At that point, because I I went to mountain biking, mountain bike racing, 
from baseball. I was so burned out on team sports. <laughs> Were you just constantly tired of people dropping the ball? You just well, freak out? What would happen was I would sit on the bench for nine innings, eight or nine innings, and barely get to play. Oh, you were a and bench then, warmer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was good as a kid, but then... We started getting older, and I stayed tall and lanky and never put any muscle on, so I didn't play much. So I was like, well, I can sit on the bench for eight innings and still get blamed when the team loses, or I can go do a whole mountain bike race, and it's all on me. Right. So I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And now we're in a team sport, but... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but you at least get to do the whole race. And you get a time draw. Yeah. Uh, so you just kind of... That was it, and then you did it through college and... Yeah. I saw you first when you were on Rio Grande. Yeah, Rio Grande was uh, my first. I was done with college at that point, making a full time go at bike racing. You pretty Jumped. much skipped the whole under 23 thing, huh? Yeah. Was, you think that was good or bad? I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to get an earlier start, but so far it's not holding me back, really. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of really talented juniors burn out, and now they're not racing bikes anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's it's completely self-motivated for me. It's, yeah. I'm not getting pushed by my parents or anything. What do you like about racing? What are you liking about it right now? I love being in the mix. I'm really competitive. So just, I'm always driven to be competitive at whatever level I'm racing. So when I was a Cat 1, I just wanted to dominate the Texas scene. And then I get on the NRC and I'm just thinking, I just want to get in the mix with those guys and, and beat them. And so that's all that drove me and yeah. pulled it off and now go to the next level. I can't believe you're gonna leave Austin, dude. I'm so ungrateful. I mean I just yeah. think you should stay for at least two more years. Yeah. Well, Sign like I mean you're <laughs> you really making the team feel like the fat girl at the prom. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as a blonde starts calling, you know? Yeah. Was that a... Jonas was completely supportive of that and everything. Yeah, that was the coolest part, was the one guy who should be most invested in, in hanging on to me. Was well, I think we knew that, like, was when... Because Jonas started talking to me about it. I was like, I... We didn't... You don't have, like, a legitimate reason for you to stay. <laughs> you know, like, we're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you should probably go. <laughs> Yeah. What do you want to do, man? Do you just... Is there any... Is it just too massive to think about? Like, you're just doing, like, well... Obviously, you want to race a tour, but is there, like, a... Is there, like, a, like a set goal? Like, I want to win this, or I want to place in this. I want to be a part of this. Yeah, I haven't got that far yet. I'm still kind of overwhelmed by... By the thought that I'm going to be racing in the big leagues. Yeah. So... I don't know. I'll come up with some some. Are you gonna get like really big shit? So like next year, like you won't even talk to the guys on the team. Yeah, I'm just gonna erase their numbers. Like from the Matt, Matty Bush style, where you just pretend like <laughs> you've seen us around somewhere, but you can't quite place it. Uh, I feel like I know this guy, dude. Uh, uh, were you? Did you take my tickets at a movie once? <laughs> I feel like I buy hot dogs from a guy that looks just like you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how was it on the team? Like, it's a pretty good band of guys, huh? Yeah, it's guys. a really good, really good team environment. Yeah, it's just like we just—it's an open door. Whoever's whoever. You and Zerbal seem to really like hit it off. You guys are both analytical numbers. Yeah, we're, geeks. we're both pretty quiet guys, anyways. We have pretty similar senses of humor. 
Uh, and you mean non-extinct, like right. non-existent? Yeah. yeah. Pretty pretty lame senses of humor. Pretty fucking boring. <laughs> you guys like do like some kind of trigonometry math humor. <laughs> I mean, X times Y, right, guys? Right? <laughs> High five, Zerb. Uh, Zerb was wearing a shirt at Cascade that cracked me up. Oh, it cracked both of us up. It was a nerd shirt. It said, uh, outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. It's so stupid. I was just cracked up, though. That is... <laughs> I'm embarrassed right now. I'm so fucking... Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, to put, like, really any kind of, like, wordy joke on the shirts, <laughs> like, you're now asking people to stare at your chest for a prolonged yeah. amount of time. Like, hey, read this. Read this. <laughs> like, do, when you have the jokey shirt, do you, like, walk with your chest a little farther out? Like, you really push your shoulders back? The joke shirts were pretty much all I wore through high school. I'm sad to admit. I didn't walk with my friends. So, you, chest so out, you had a lot of girlfriends? Yeah. Yeah, I was a ladies' man for sure. <laughs> Did you ever think, like, while you're putting on a shirt, like, oh, Samantha's gonna read this? I feel like this is up Samantha's, like, uh, I don't this know. is her humor. I think it was just more like, well, this shirt amuses me, so I'm gonna wear it. <laughs> Whatever. Your dating life is, like, the subject of, like, some inner team conversation of, like, how we're gonna get Chad Haga, yeah. like, hooked up, you know? I think that's, like, aside from racing, that's pretty much Friedman's main focus. That's all he, he obsesses over. I couldn't over. think of a worse person to yeah. set you up. <laughs> I really, I think I'd rather have you just be a 40-year-old virgin than ever uh, try to have Friedman <laughs> as your wingman. That could lead to some really entertaining stories, though. I mean, you've seen the people he's dated. I mean, you've heard stories. I mean, yeah. maybe you've heard stories. I have heard of his, stories. the people he's chosen to live with. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going? Do you have a girlfriend? No. 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 Dude, you've seen my race results. You think I have a girlfriend? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you mean you're so good or so bad? I'm so good. <laughs> no, like, I've just, like, got all this energy. Like, yeah. You think you get a girlfriend and the results just drop off? Who knows? Oh, it's a gamble. I'm not. It's a gamble I'm scared of right now. see a, like... Puppy loves sick. Hoggett is like, oh, I don't want to train. <laughs> like when Sauls got married. <laughs> How quickly did that guy shit the bed? It was amazing, hey, right? You said it, not me. <laughs> I'm not racing next year, so he could get as mad at me as he wants. Fuck, we say this to his face. Yeah. <laughs> we're not talking, we're not telling stories out of school. He, we fucking said this to his face. Like, I'm sure not many people who listen to the podcast know that this kid Sebastian showed up last year. It's really quiet, weird, little Canadian kid. And he showed up and the fucking kid could jam uphill. <laughs> he can really jam. And uh, he got KO on the tour of California. He had yeah. some solid results at Gila. Yeah. Built... Uh, rode really good at um, both when he wasn't crashing Gloria out. <laughs> and then, and then he got married. And then he got married. <laughs> and I don't think he finished a race since then. Do you remember? Like, I you weren't there, but yeah. you were crashed. But he, I don't think he got off the back at Utah once. We dropped him in like five k in the team time trial. And I mean, we haven't really seen much of him since. Mm. 
don't be don't be Saul's man. Yeah. Don't be, don't don't. I cause I, I Saul seems like the type to get like love sick. Like I could see him like laying in bed with this girl and then like saying like ah oh, I'll just train harder tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow will be the day. What about your roommate Ian? He's got to be like looking out for you. Yeah, he's he's taking care of me pretty well. Uh, so he was on, on Rio Grande with me in 2011. Yeah, and and we ended up moving down here. Like I, I was gonna move out of the place in Fort Collins anyways, and because he was moving down here to for uh, Peterson Air Force Base, he got stationed down there. And you know it was nothing to me to to throw my stuff in the truck. I don't have that much stuff, so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give the springs a shot. So we moved down here, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a good living environment. Like, yeah. he, he understands the racing lifestyle and, yeah, yeah. and training and all that. So, and got a training partner with him too. So, yeah. what about and the Springs Rules? Because you got to see Doc the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> I did. It's <laughs> just on my way to Safeway. Tell like, me about that. I, you know, I just pull around the corner from where our house is, and and I see this dude with like long, flowy blonde hair in a trench coat. With an axe just hanging by his side, walking with purpose across the street right in front of my truck, and I'm like, "That, that is the best dog the bounty hunter impression I've ever seen." <laughs> and I tweeted there about no, it. There was no camera crews. Right, I didn't see any camera crew or anything. And, yeah. And so I tweeted that, and and you sent me a text like, "Dude, dog comes to the springs." Yeah. Well, then I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah, I saw him. Because uh, I. We don't have cable, you know? So, like, I knew that he came to the Springs. I've heard stories of him because he works with the bail bonds guy here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I did some race. I turned on the TV. And he was in that grocery store, like, 500 feet from here. <laughs> and he was, like, just doing this big recog because the Springs is... I mean, we have a pretty good meth supply running through here. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody got shot like in your next door neighbors in our alley. In yeah. your alley, he bled out in your alley. Uh, just about, yeah. It was a car chase that ended at the alley, and <laughs> at like one in the morning, and he gets out on foot and just starts running. And and one cop said he saw a gun and just started firing, and the other cop heard the firing and started firing, and they lit this dude up and never found a gun or anything, and <laughs> couldn't find the gun. Huh? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Maybe he threw it. Yeah, well, they, they searched long and hard for that thing. It's got to be an incredible feeling if you shoot a guy and you're like, I saw a gun, and then there's no gun. You must just, oh. like, oh, I'm going to look for five hours. It was a big investigation. So, the, you don't know how that came? I know the guy ended up, he died. So I don't know how it turned out with the officers, though. Probably got, like, a week suspension. Yeah. But so the good news is we're moving to the nice part of town next sure, week. Sure, sure. Are your <laughs> neighbors upset? Do you ever even bother meeting your neighbors? Uh, no. <laughs> Not really. I pretty much just listen to the grandma yell at this poor little child all day. Really? It's, it's pretty depressing. I've got to get out of the house when that starts happening. Oh, fuck. But our new neighbors, like a heart surgeon and a professor. Wow. Like they wouldn't leave us alone when we were trying to plant our garden. They just wanted to come say hello. Yeah, like, well, really we're trying to plant a garden here. Could you please not be so friendly? If you don't understand, my neighbors shoot each other. I'm not <laughs> used to this. It's different. It'll be much nicer. Right, right, right. Well, shit, man. Any other crazy stories, you know, from Ogden days? 
I mean, how was I as a teammate? I was a pretty good teammate, huh? I was a pretty nice guy. When I when I first started with the, with Kelly at Elk Grove, and I met Mike Creed, I had no idea how famous this guy was. I just saw his, his crazy saddle, yeah. split-level saddle, and I was like, oh, well, that's Mike Creed. I should probably do some research and find out about my teammate a little bit. And I was like, whoa, wow. I, I had no idea he was ever pro tour or anything. <laughs> but... So I I was uh, like third overall that last day and it was just pouring rain and right it was a mess. We go through with one lap to go on that crit circuit course and just a pilot crosses the whole road and I somehow made it through. I was full on the brakes but not slowing down at all. I somehow made it through and I'm just full panic mode trying to get back up there and then I see like oh Mike Creed is dropping back for me and like you pace me back up and I just it's like man. That's it. That's pretty awesome. only once you only got one nice thing I've done for you. <laughs> no, I've not done very... more than that. That was just the first one that stuck with me. Like, but you're turning like, like I went to the pro tour at a pretty bad time. Yeah. Is it under, like this guy would be exciting for you to see like how much it's cleaning up and all the pure pressure that's now into being clean. Whereas before, like yeah. when I was there, there was no such thing as federal investigations, police like. Barging in people like this, this shit didn't really happen, much less where I was at. Like, yeah, so it wasn't like it, there wasn't a big deterrent, but now you see all these like you see governments getting involved. And yeah, there's still guys doping, but it's like it's so much better now. I mean, it's so, I, yeah, so it's got it's be, encouraging for me, yeah, to, to think, okay, well, I'm definitely gonna be clean, so hopefully. I can get some results. There. How far do you think you can go, man? I don't know. Dude, I wasn't sure I'd get this far. Like, you gotta have an idea. You gotta have like a, like what would you consider like an accomplishment? If I could, like podium or win some of those smaller week long stage races, I would. I would consider like that. Like a point one. Yeah. Like or or like a. I guess a point HC it's a pretty good your, your new teams like said like look you're gonna have opportunities. Your yeah. Gonna... So that's that's what's got me really excited is it's not just gonna be a uh, a worker all the time. I get to actually go and race my bike. Yeah. Was, I'm looking forward to it. And that team had oh, some success, always good success in this, so they're gonna Yeah. Do you know how long they're gonna be around for? Do you know? Yeah, you yeah, know so. uh, I'm not sure. I think at least a few more years. Yeah. But I don't know though. Did you have a lot of interest from other teams? There were a few teams. Um, one, like, we got back from Portugal in March, and I had an email in my inbox from one team already, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't expect that that soon, but all right. And then, and then I toured California and started getting more attention. I was like, well, I. Do you think the emails were fake for a second? Like no, I, well, yeah, I did have to do a little bit of research because it was this one guy. It was on Facebook. Oh. Like I got a Facebook message, and this guy's emailing me like, "Does he even work for that team?" So I'm looking through his profile, like, "Oh, okay, he does work for them." So when I got when I got uh, an email from Johan, his email back then was like, uh, I think it was ridiculously simple to figure out, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you were to think what. Johan's email address would be, it was that, <laughs> right? So like, I got like this email from Johan, and it was like, "Hey, 
and mind you, I didn't have an offer in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't. It was December, and I didn't have one single offer. And then I have an offer from Johan at this what seems like generic email address, and I I was like, this isn't. Johan, this is, <laughs> this is bullshit. There's no way. It's some troll that snagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, I thought it was a friend fucking with me. <laughs> like, so I was, he's like, hey, we're really thinking about like adding more Americans. Are you interested? And I, I think I, I replied in the most aloof, aloof way. Like, so if the, if it was my friends fucking with me, they couldn't like hold it over my head. Like, <laughs> if they were gonna long con me, like Stay I was gonna cool. make them work for it. Yeah, Stay yeah. cool, man. I just said like, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I I might consider something like this. Give me a call, and I put my phone <laughs> number down. So did you did you try to play cool, or or did you just like respond with like, yes, send me contract? <laughs> <laughs> no, I played it cool, cause. Uh... I was like, okay, well, it's just March. We've got plenty of time here. No need, yeah. to, no need to sign anything yet. And so then we do tour California, and I know I'm being watched. And but I try to just keep that out of my mind a little bit. Just, just race my bike, and yeah. it'll sort itself out. And it did. So you went and uh, you did like a like a test with one of the teams that was interested in you. Mm-hmm. Like they, they sent you to a lab, and you did like a threshold test. That was a full on like VO two full on VO yeah it's like two a exhaustion two, two exhaustion test, yeah. but you had been game on since team camp. Yeah, this was the test was after um, it was between Philly and Nature Valley, so like and I'd been pretty overcooked since California. I just never yeah. really. Recovered. I mean, you were going good at team camp. Yeah, going good at team camp, and then we go to Portugal and I get second there, and then come over here second at Redlands, win Joe Martin. Got some sort of allergy thing at Gila, so yeah. scratch that one, but then Tour California, and so I was smoked by that point. Yeah. Suffered through US Pro and Philly, and then we go and do this test. I'm like, I'll do the test, man, but it's not going to be good. What's more nerve wracking, like that test where you know a good result will get you an immediate contract, or like, say, Tour California where you're trying to hold on to a top 10? Like, what's more nerve wracking in that moment? Uh, I think Tour of California was more nerve-wracking because the tests, like, they're getting all your biological data and stuff. So you can see plainly that I'm fatigued. So you'll see that. So in you the have results. confidence in that they would be able to see that. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, oh, he's not doing good. I wonder why. No, you can see why. It's, yeah. it's just right there. But, no, trying to hold on to – I was up in 7th GC at, at California at one point after stage 2. So I was just yeah. fighting to stay up there. Um what was it like to like get second place at Redlands? Like you're so close. You have the yellow jersey going in the final day, and then oh, it was. You have like a rider like Mansebo who's like involved in some weird shit in Puerto and stuff, and like, yeah. is it? It just felt like this underdog story. Like Mansebo is the big fish in the the NRC pond, and but it's not only is he the big fish, but he's like a big tainted fish. Right. Is that like? It's got to feel like almost like Star Wars yeah, type, like, you know, like... A little bit, yeah. Because I don't know if you know, like, because I, I was there watching, you know? Like, yeah. I was just, it was so hard to watch, you know, because, like, my back's so fucked and I can't help you, I can't be there. 
to help close one gap. Right, and we didn't even have a full team. I think we had five guys in the race at that point. Skeleton crew. Yeah. I mean, it was so hard to watch. Like, And I was watching you after the race, and I could... I mean, like, was that... How hard was that to get past? It was... Yeah, it was really hard because, like, I at least got the race for it because Cascade the year before was heartbreaking because I didn't even get to try to defend my yellow jersey. But then Redlands had held yellow through the whole thing, was still with Manstable with 10 miles to go in the race. I'm like, okay, we can do this. And then he hits out and I've got nothing left. And, like, and then I have my teammates there. You got Zwiz and Zerbal at the top of a big hill running into town. I mean, Sable's got 20 seconds on Three us. of the best time trial guys yeah. in the country. Team time trialing down this Full stick. Like, we, we've got this. All we got to do is just pull them back to, I don't know, five seconds or something. Do you know what the gap was at the top? 22 seconds, I think. 22. So you think okay, we, had, we like, need 17 seconds back. Yeah. In 10 minutes or something. Like, with three huge dudes, or with Zerbal and Zwiz. Yeah. And then made team time trialing downhill. We're like, we got this. And then he, Mansable is with uh, Andres Diaz. And like, they put time into us. It was incredible. And so to lose by the slimmest of margins in the last 15 minutes of the stage race was pretty devastating. Like I, I just wanted to bring a yellow jersey home. Yeah. Like, I want to actually win bike race. Yeah. Because I'd had a whole bunch of second places already that year. Yeah. I was tired of it. Did you feel like, um, maybe I'm projecting, but did you feel like when you lost, I, fe I felt like there was a sentiment within the pack, like of people like being disappointed that you lost? Yeah. I, I, there were a lot of people cheering for me within the bike race. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Phil Guyman sent me a text message that morning. He's like, dude, do it for, like, everybody that's ever been clean. Yeah. Win this bike race. So it, I felt like I let everybody down. No, I mean, I don't yeah. think anybody felt that. Yeah. I think it was more of a, it was a disappointing feeling. Yeah. Um, but then... The exact opposite happened to Joe Martin. Like you go into the last stage, and I've got five seconds on Men's Sable again, and this time I won. Yeah. With my parents there, so that was. And now it seems like you're on average you're better than Men's Sable. Like on average, like given a long enough timeline, I think there might be days where he's better. But yeah. With a long enough timeline, I feel like like a tour California, you're more consistent, you're getting stronger. Yeah. He's one of us, Could be. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.